0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the political bubble podcast. I'm Archibald Elliot, and as usual I'm joined by my wonderful co host, Oliver Sykes. And this time by a very special guest,
1: Jason Morehouse.
0: So yes, we're back for another week of uh, political intrigue and usual conversation. Uh, and, obviously, we're joined by the wonderful Mr. Jason Morehouse. Thank you. And, yes, here we are. So, Jason, Mr. Morehouse, yeah. if you were a cake, as we ask all our guests right. when they come on this show, if you were a cake, what cake would you be? Well, that,
1: that is a challenging question because I'm not really a cake fan, so, um, given my limited knowledge, I think I'd go for Cheesecake.
0: Why? <laughs> um,
1: just in terms of it's a traditional cake and it's a mix of um, two core ingredients. So, yeah. Ah,
0: very which, good. Which,
1: yeah. yeah, which hopefully I am as well in terms of, yeah, I'm the um, representative of Aubrey Castle Town and Maloo and I'm out there trying to change things. So, yeah, two core ingredients. Yes.
2: What a so push. I suppose that comes on to... Um, an interesting point you talk about, um, town Malu and I know your <laughs> constituents are very important to you. Um, what made you sort of become an, an MHK in the first place back in 2016? It was
1: an interesting one because um, I did my first degree in politics, philosophy, and economics. And when I came back down, it was like, whoa, what is the point of this degree? Mm. And I always thought I would like to go into politics, but it was waiting for that kind of opportune moment. And I always thought that when Tony Brown retired or resigned, whatever, I would give it a go. And he retired in July 2011. And I thought, "Mm, what do I do? It's summer holiday time. I was a teacher. And um, yeah, I didn't want to actually start instantly, declare instantly. I thought you need to do the preparation and planning. Mm. And it was quite a sudden announcement. So I spent from his resignation day until end of results day kind of working out what i was going to do and how i can make an impact in a month because basically that's all i had i had limited money i think about 300 pounds and yeah um it with it being a small constituency at that town, castle town i was able to go around every door three times and i was only about 40 votes off actually winning so it was like wow That was slightly unexpected. And so, you know, when the chance came up in 2016, I gave it another go and spent slightly more, but not a lot more. And got in, which was good, and repeated that in 2021 when I spent a little bit more, but not a huge amount. I probably, out of all the candidates, I probably spent less. And then, yeah, here I am.
0: So so would you, I suppose, say that it's not really a a budget which matters, but more the politics itself?
1: I think it's recognise that anyone can do it Mm. because there are so many obstacles in terms of you've got a job you're going to have to give up if you're successful, you've got other commitments that are going to have to be removed in terms of what you're dealing with and just kind of, yeah, the cost because, you know, you ask people how much to spend on becoming an MHK and it's Mm. thousands and thousands Mm. of pounds and, you know, I think even in 2020, um, one, it would still be less than a thousand pounds spent, and in no election have I actually claimed the government money. So, I've delivered everything by hand, mm. and probably if I include a petrol price, it'd be slightly more than a thousand. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's you know you should do it in a way that is believable mm. and relevant. And for me, it's not spending a fortune. It's just kind of, as you said, having the right policies and mm. listening to people and trying to respond accordingly.
0: Yes, well, I suppose we see in the, the states, for example, they spend m- many hundreds of thousands millions on elections to elect yeah. uh, each party, would flood money into it, and they use different election vehicles as super PACs to get round election spending rules and all of that. That's which it. I think, at least over here, I, I'm pretty sure we have an election spending lit cap. Yeah, I mean, we can spend. yeah
1: it's linked to the number of mm. constituents. And yeah. again, because... Um, you're actually looking at over 5,000 people mm-hmm. in each constituency, it's going to be a challenge to actually have a low budget because yes. you need one form of literature in terms mm-hmm. of the stuff that's going through the door. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a matter of slimming that down because my manifesto wasn't really a manifesto. It was basically a A4 sheet back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Whereas most people who were standing believed it was necessary to have a booklet of many pages and covering every single topic and I was basically saying that unless I'm chief minister Mm. what I can do is really respond at all times Mm. and try and get the best for the island and the constituency and that's really what I went with and Mm. the last two elections it's been believable hopefully next time it will be equally believable but that's really what my mantra's been.
0: Well, yes, I, I suppose I, uh, I'm sure oliveville can concur yeah. with the election leaflets he receives uh, through his letterbox but I always I always remember there's there's usually most of the candidates who said this uh, the booklet relative number of pages let's say 10, 15, and there's a lot of empty spaces in the booklet and a, a, lot, lot, of, a lot of nice lo- photos a lot of nice well, photos yeah. and a <laughs> lot of waffle with inside it which doesn't really seem to add much so I would yeah. say it's, it's probably is it's you can probably slim down it's the Isle, the Isle of Man's relatively a small amount I suppose it's relatively small. Mm. And to have the greatest impact, you can. The number of policies, as you said, with the mm. backbench MHK, which yeah. you get in on, you can't really. You don't need a whole 100 uh, page booklet like the Conservative Party yeah, produced in the insane. UK, for example. Yeah. Yes. But on, on, that po- on that point, you, you mentioned about if you of the Chief Minister, um, do you think. Do you think the current election way of electing the Chief Minister, there's been some criticism of it by it not being a publicly elected thing, more of sort of a private electorate. Do you think that that's working as such?
1: It's interesting on where you were at that time. In 2016, I had limited political knowledge. Mm -hmm. I was faced with three candidates, Kate Beecroft, who was the Lib Van person, unless you are in Lib Van, and had that clarity of thought in that area she wasn't going to be probably top of your list. And then there was Alf Cannon and um, Howard Quayle, and it was basically listen to what they were saying and go with it. Um, in 2021, because I had kind of five years background of the candidates, it wasn't really a matter of what they were saying. It was a matter of what they'd done. Yeah, And I think that was quite an important thing. But in, t- in terms of the electorate, you actually look at a very small number of individuals and they're going to have very specific thoughts on those individuals from where they're coming from. And it's also interesting in terms of what you're wanting from those individuals. Because some of the people are wanting to become ministers, and that's going to influence how the process works. And I'm probably quite an odd individual from the point of view that I actually was involved in the current chief minister's plans in his... Um, campaign Mm. and I then didn't become a minister and I've still not become a minister and whereas initially it might have been something I would have considered possibly wanted, um, two years on it's kind of, I've got a very specific niche which is quite interesting and Mm. having been in now for over six years I've got a skills base that allows me to kind of make use of the position I'm in whereas if I'd have been in this position five years ago, six years ago, I probably wouldn't have been as good at doing these things because everything's a matter of learning, getting the skills and refining, yeah, what you're good at.
0: You you mentioned a niche there. What what would that niche be?
1: In terms of where I'm now, I'm really a one-man opposition that when it comes down to looking at the current policies, looking at what is happening on the island, I'm there with my little drum saying... Why are you doing it in this way? And what alternatives have been looked at? And yeah, why? Why? Yeah, why? 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 And it's such a privileged position to actually be in that position where you can actually go into the House of Keys or into Tinwald and ask any minister any question. And I was actually um, talking to someone one Tuesday afternoon after we'd been in Keys, and I said, "I'm really quite exhausted this afternoon." And he said, of course you are. have actually been questioning six ministers about key mm. policy areas. And you think, gosh, yeah, that's quite a big thing to actually do. But, you know, if, if you're in that position, you've got a chance to do what you want to, do mm. then it's, you're a great opportunity. So, yeah, it's just a niche I've fallen into. There was no plan. There's no kind of, I want to be the backbencher who asks these questions and looks at these areas, raises concerns and tries to move things forward in a positive way. Because I would say that every question I ask is done for the right reason. I'm trying to make things better rather than say, you know, you look stupid on this. You know, if if it is a kind of a controversial question or a question on the edge of where it should be that could make the minister look slightly less good than they normally would, I always make sure that the minister's aware of where I'm coming from. Because, mm. you know, it's not for me to actually get that individual to look stupid. It's for me to actually allow that minister to explain where they're coming from and hopefully change course slightly. And it's one amazing thing about question time that you. you're actually going with the three supplementary questions, but so often the minister will give you a chunk of information, either by accident or by design, you find yourself going off on a tangent. and It's so frustrating when the chief, when the speaker or the president's kind of shifting you on because you've kind of got to that point where it's the next question. Yeah. It might be my question that's the next question, but, yeah, <laughs> it's still frustrating because there was an issue yesterday in terms of the MUA putting old-style meters into homes rather than smart meters. Yeah. And I went through my original question and the supplementary questions. It's like, so why are you doing this? And then my next question was looking at the um, annual report. It was like, I was wanting to say, can I actually ask him one more question? <laughs> <laughs> so I've got three here. Let's and, yeah, and yeah, cut out
0: two on the next.
1: That's yeah. it, because it is, yeah... A difficult one because I think, as with everything, things work on systems and usually you do get three supplementary questions. There have been occasions where I've been moved on quite swiftly and that, that probably the most memorable one was with the Attorney-General was actually asking about um, the way in which the reserves have been invested and there's a procurement process happening and it shifted basically how we're looking after the money and I'd spoken to the Treasury Minister, I'd asked the Treasury Minister questions, I'd been into the department and asked, and it was like we can't discuss why we've changed it because there's a procurement process taking place. And I was saying well, I'm not wanting to get involved in the procurement process but I want to know why we've had a series of ideals that we've used for the past 20 years to invest the island's money and we've changed those dramatically but there's been no reasoning. So I thought I'll ask the Attorney-General, so I asked the Attorney-General, could I actually get from Treasury the reason for this? And he gave quite a general answer. And I was there with my supplementary and the President <laughs>
0: went, next question. And he was like, no.
1: But yeah, that's that's just the well, way things work at times.
0: But well, would you say that's a slight flaw in the process, almost, because to que- oh, it's is, is, is very good to question the public figures, mm. but when they can give... Extraordinarily evasive answers, which don't actually answer perhaps the question at yeah. hand, or what's what's at least the intended point at hand. Would you say that hinders one kind of our democracies? It,
1: it, it does definitely. And um, you end up having to create a question that is bigger than it should be, because mm. you've got the question you're wanting to ask, plus the material from the previous answer you wanting to bring into it, and that's giving the minister more of a chance to avoid all the key bits because she can just, or he can take just a key element and provide an answer Mm. and then move on. And yeah, it was quite frustrating again yesterday with the the question of what's been happening in schools. And, you know, I was wanting to get real clarity in terms of what's happening next in terms of just the delivery. And we were left kind of with that cliffhanger. And you think, hmm, does it end there? Mm. Well, it did yesterday. Mm. But because I can put another question in it can restart in two weeks time And again that's an issue yeah. that the questions have got to be in on monday at 12 o'clock for the following tuesday mm. so even though something will come up in tinwood and keys mm. on the tuesday morning you can't get your extra relevant question in on that until two weeks time which is quite a gap away and yeah it usually isn't an issue but if it was something
0: quite time specific you'd be thinking yeah, this is mm. frustrating. So, I, I suppose on, that, on that point of the, uh, almost the frustration with the time limits for questions, yeah. would you would you say you, you would perhaps push for a way to have that amended? Because it does, it does as you say, seem quite ludicrous it's, to have something which may even come up a mid-week, and you can't, or even on the Tuesday, for the next week, you think you need to have a week. It seems well, relatively there odd. is
1: There is the opportune to kind of ask the urgent question. Mm. But that, again, is something that is down to the president or Mm. the speaker to actually decide on. And it's one that it's looked at in terms of national interest, it's looked at in terms of being time-specific. And they will often go with the argument that it's not going to make a dramatic difference whether you wait seven days or you wait three days for this question. So it's, yeah... It's an interesting one, and it's, again, arguing at the periphery that most of the time you get to ask the question when you want to ask it. It's just that kind of niggly bit when you kind of want that bit extra. It's back to the cake question. I want a bit more of that, please. So, <laughs> yeah, it's perhaps, yeah, I suppose you need rules. and You also need that kind of freedom for Mr. President and Mr. Speaker to decide. You know, there's nothing to actually stop them going for the fourth question. Mm-hmm. And as we saw with Mr. President, with the question on the reserves, there's nothing stopping him going for no supplementary questions. And I guess, in a way, it creates frustration at that point, but it creates that variety. you know, there's nothing to prevent you from bringing a different question with a similar link at, you know, a future Tinwald or Key. So, yeah, you've still got opportunity for the kind of positive side.
2: So, uh, an interesting point I like to ask on is um, obviously they've got the island plan at the moment yeah. and the sort of the economic strategy, and it's quite ambitious. Mm. Um, and a lot of the public, often in public forums, are saying that you know we need uh, more action, more reform. There's a lot of reports, there's a lot of strategies, yeah. but is there actually much sort of um, change on the ground? So, my sort of question is, is that you know people say that politics over here runs sort of slowly. Do you think that that's the case? You you know, as being in sort of as being a department member sort of seeing inside government and now sort of stepping back, you can sort of really see how things are. It's
1: definitely a big, big concern that we've spent money on getting an economic plan, which is good. But my concern is it's been done by a accounting company that's actually really looked at us as a location in the British Isles with 80,000 people, whereas that plan would be fantastic for someone like Durham. In terms of the Man, we've got so many small, specific issues that need to be dealt with in the immediate future in terms of housing, um, aspects of um, mental well-being, lots and lots of things. And we actually look at a plan that's going to be deliverable over a number of years, over an election period, so in three years' time, we're going knocking on doors and people are saying, what have you done in the last five years? It's going to be a case of, we've got a great plan mm. for what comes next. And there was only me and Mr Speaker who voted against the plan in Tim in October. And when we actually put the plan and the economic strategy together in January, there was, again, a very small number of us who voted against it. And it's that concern that it's good to have that economic plan and being an economist you're thinking yeah you've got some recognition here mm. but at the same time we actually speak to businesses families individuals we've got this kind of credibility gap that they are saying, well what are you doing for us and it is that real real concern and it's it's one of my advantages of being a backbench that I can go and talk to Mrs. Smith on a Thursday morning rather than being in coming. Mm. I can go and see a business on a Monday afternoon I can do all these things and my timetable is absolutely Cramped full, but I'm getting a completely different message, and I'm saying completely different things in the House of Keys and Tinwald to most of the members. Because, as you were suggesting there, if you're in the Council of Ministers, if you're in a department, you tend to be looking at things from a very specific angle, you're looking at it through the perspective of a policy, um, a series of things that are going to be implemented over the next few years, which will improve certain areas. And I'm looking at the overview and saying, hold on, we've got real issues here. And it was particularly challenging with regard to the budget, because the budget is kind of that big plan that looks at everything. And this was the first budget I've actually thought, I'm not sure that I can actually support it. In terms of the way in which it's taken from the reserves... It's not helping the people that need it. Okay, we got the 10% rise for benefits and things, but there's a lot of people in the kind of squeezed middle, lots of businesses Mm. that are really, really struggling and really, really finding it difficult to move forward. And, you know, I have a question next week for the Chief Minister in terms of we're going to get 5,000 extra jobs on the island. But in terms of the local housing market, when were you last talking to local estate agents Mm. about? house prices and rents. And it's all right having this politics being kind of handed to mm. us, but it's got to be made specific to the island. And, you know, we've got to make sure that there is the housing, there is the healthcare, care, there is um, the education, and all those things that are really, really important. Because if people aren't happy today, they won't be here tomorrow. And that that's the concern, that we can bring 5,000 extra people in, possibly 15,000 mm. people in. But whilst that's happening, there's the exit and many people are leaving.
0: I have a question, Jane, about slightly a bit different yeah. than what you were saying. on, on the uh, you, You're saying you can obviously speak to Mrs. Smith on Thursday mm. rather than being in Coban. Mm. Do you think that's something that Coban's missing? Mm. Because yeah. they're, they're almost, you, you see government and most of them, I think, yourself, I think is now Rob Callis, is the only one without a departmental yeah. position, all are almost is they're no, no longer on the government payroll because of the yeah. uh, increase in the, yeah. the base pay. But do you think that's a large problem, that they're not actually going... They don't have the time to go out and speak to the people whose policy it affects? Because as with such a small island, I think the individual person mm. is, is of greater importance.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those things that really comes through in terms of... I've spoken to my MHK, but he's a minister. Mm. And as a minister he can't push this, like, you can push it. Mm -hmm. He can't ask a question Mm -hmm. publicly. He can ask a question in private. He might be able to get a response, but he doesn't seem to have the time Mm -hmm. or the ability to take it forward, whereas you've got extra time, even though I'm living in Ramsey. Mm -hmm. Can you help me move this forward? I actually asked a question last week about the wildlife park, and people are going, that's not long way from Castle Town. (laughs) But it's that issue that at the moment, you've actually got no... um, MHK who's not a minister north yeah, of Garth and yeah, and it's yeah. And I'm in that privileged position I think it's one of those things that when I chose to be or tried to be an MHK, I've been teaching for many years and I want to kind of retain that community link and do a similar thing because people say, oh it must be so different to teaching but it's just the same in terms of the preparation, the questions the answers, the mm. um, the reading, the same people contact me and it's just, yeah just the same, it's just a slightly grown up version of teaching.
0: I, I thought it was going to go down a, a, down a line of it's just like teaching because everyone's still children. <laughs> no, no, I wish they
1: were. I wish they that, were. That is the worst thing. If you've got the yes. most horrible child yes. at the end of the lesson, you make up oh, yeah, and right. you move on. If you've got an adult mm. and you have a bit of fallout or crossed words, oh, yeah they build the barriers ah, yes. and they retain those for weeks and weeks and weeks mm. and possibly never get over it. And that was the biggest mm. the biggest difference about working with children and adults. Oh, and it, is, it, it still surprises me mm. that you, you can say something to an adult, it's like, whoa. Yeah. You can say something to a child and, okay, at that moment it kind of, you know, you shout at me, but they kind of get over it and the following day it's back to normal and yeah. adults aren't like that, which mm. is quite bizarre
2: so going on the point and you said about sort of coming you know speaking to sort of um, local stage agents and sort of having that interact activity with the community Mm. they had a I think it was like a I think they've had one previous in the in the previous government uh uh on the road kind of thing yeah. and they had one before the island plan to yeah. sort of assemble yeah. that and gather opinion and obviously they've got the now conference kind of yeah. thing um what's your thoughts on the on the clock on the government conference every september
1: i think it's good but i think it's again that it attracts a narrow range of people you know it's attracted people like us with that interest. It attracted some business people because they wanted to make contacts. It was attracting people who wanted to become members of the legislative council. It was a kind of a tick box exercise. Mm. But in terms of the small business who was kind of man who was a lady who was struggling to get everything done in twenty four hours. Then at the time to go. In terms of someone struggling to feed the family and get by, it was not really relevant for them. And I think that's the issue and in terms of being a politician in Arbury Castle Town of Maloo, I go to the local school, I go to a coffee morning, I go to the local shop, and it's in those places where people say, can I just have a word with you? I've got this problem. Whereas at those conferences, it's kind of the grown-up world again, and you, mm-hmm. you don't really erase things like that unless it's kind of to make a point. So mm-hmm. I think it's good to have those things, but I think also we need to have that different form of communication and having been a teacher and kind of known many of my constituents since we we're young they just kind of were able to do that but yeah some kind of mhks in some areas don't have as many coffee mornings or as many schools and as many events and so they don't get those opportunities and yeah i'm pretty lucky
0: well Perhaps, perhaps one solution, I'm not sure what you think on it, perhaps is it a solution of having more MHKs? Arguably, so more MHKs, but limiting the amount of departmental roles. Do you have a sufficient number of backbench Mm. backbench MHKs who are purely backbench mm, MHKs?
2: Yeah, you say that, being a departmental member, or you know, in Coven, stops that sort of constituency link. Would you sort yeah. of agree with that? Yeah,
1: definitely. But having said that, I do think it's so important to have having been in a department. I've actually spoken to several people who want to be on the Middle Legislative Council in the in the next election, and I was saying to all of them, if you get the chance, be in a department because you find out then how it works. Mm. And I was looking because I was in both health and infrastructure, and in terms of basket cases. They're almost there. You know that they have all the challenges, they've all the changes. They're um, public facing. Anything that goes wrong is out there. And I worked in two departments. I worked in four ministers. And you know, in that four five year period, it was incredible. But what I learned then allows me to do what I do now. Because even though I ask a lot of questions, a lot of a lot more emails actually go out, and I tend to ask questions because. I get information, Bitcoin in the public domain, and by asking the question, you actually get that response. And it's quite interesting. I asked a question yesterday to one minister. And I spoke to the offices last week and was saying, "We know where you want to go, but please be careful with your wording because it could create other issues." And the minister produced an answer, and it was just like oh he should have just said that it was okay. kind of yeah because having been in that department and that you just think yeah that's that's quite interesting and i think it's anything it's good to be there for a period of time because you learn so much but at the same time you don't want to become stale and it is a difficult one with being in mhk because it can become so intensive and absorb so much of your life and we've got this kind of negative perspective on the island that Government's big, and government is big. But in terms of the number of MHKs, you've just got two in twelve areas, and it's good. I enjoy working with Tim. But you know, sometimes you think Castle Town in twenty eleven, where you just yourself, mm-hmm. you were mm-hmm. kind of working with the neighbouring MHKs, you were pushing things forward. There are advantages of that because you know, no matter how well I get on with Tim, how well I got on with uh, Mr. Cojean at the end of the period, you've got to kind of take the gloves off and fight for your Mm. position. And, you know, in terms of 2021, I thought that was one of the best things about the election that at no time did Graham and myself have any cross words. We'd worked together for five years. We were both going for the same votes Mm. and we kept it, you know, really clean and honest and open. And, you know, in some areas, you kind of get that, personal fight and it looks bad in terms of how you're responding to people and people don't like that and I thought, you know, good on you, you know, we actually worked together right to the end and I think that's a good thing, Mm. hopefully the same will happen again in 2026 but in terms of numbers, it's it's difficult and you've got that issue with with the Legislative Council that they're there to do a role and that their role is really to actually try and scrutinise and move things forward and I think we're kind of still not in the best place there. Potentially, you know, as we move forward, they will have a role that is scrutinising and ensuring the government is in the right place. But it's about that issue when it comes down to things like the budget. Should Legislative Council be actually there asking questions? And it was quite interesting mm. with the last budget. I think there's only um, Mrs. Mask that actually raised questions and asked about it. So yeah, an interesting one. But it's it's a really interesting job, because you can do as much or as little as you want. It's like being your own boss. Mm. And it does absorb you, and you know, in terms of my working day, I've got well over 200 emails most days to deal with, and my timetable, for I will get up at five o'clock every morning, work through the day, and it's just, yeah, dream I love it, but you couldn't do that forever. You'd just get bored and stale, and mm. yes, yeah, so we'll see what happens.
2: An interesting point there. You sort of talk about the legislative council, and I think in the past few elections, there's been much talk about really the legislative council's position, the sort of reforms that should go on there. That seems to sort of sort of influence a lot of sort of the elections and what's discussions, rather than actually what do you sort of plan on doing in the Legislative Council? Do you think it's more important the the uh, candidate's position on how the Le- Legislative Council moves forward or or what they sort of intend on sort of doing?
1: I think it's a difficult one, and it's each individual involved in the process has got a slightly different opinion on what that individual should be doing. And um, I went to the, the presentation on Monday evening, and it was quite interesting to watch Connor Keenan, who's actually tried to become an MLC previously and having been through the process, his answers were so clear and specific and linked to what the the successful candidates will actually do. Thought, yeah, that's refreshing. Whereas some of the new candidates are still kind of slightly at sea in terms of what does this involve mm-hmm. and their answers were kind of much more general. And then you have the three sitting members who again were able to make reference to what they'd done and it was still yeah, an interesting one, because in 2016, when we kind of discussed it following Liz Vane recommendations, I was really kind of pro legislative council in terms of this is a link between governments. If you've someone in the infrastructure department, they're going to ensure that between the election, between one government finishing and a new one starting, you've got that continuity. You've got the civil service being questioned, things being looked at. But now I'm kind of thinking, what is the role of the Legislative Council? Do they actually do anything worthwhile apart from just checking the <laughs> the bills we've put through? And would it perhaps be better just to have a couple of lawyers there just checking to make sure it makes sense is mm-hmm. doable? Because, yeah, it is...
0: Well, you see, I see, I, I, I generally take... Uh, I I I did take so suppose, a similar approach of mm. the the usefulness of a legislative council yeah. because it wasn't directly elected by the uh, population it yeah. wasn't so arguably um, electioneering as such mm. but I do see the, the, the slight problem in the fact they don't really seem to properly scrutinise things in much the same way as as perhaps because they have many of them have departmental roles That's and they're almost. Again, part of the large government body yeah. within the Timwood, it seems, where it seems every member is sort of governmental, even though they can technically have positions on mm. places other side, outside of their departments, they're still very much, with the Island Plan, for example, mm. the Island Plan encompasses yeah. all of the departments. Mm. They're quite limited on what they can go and say, mm, because they want other people to let their bit go through. That's it. So it's sort of.
1: B A it was most clear with me after the last election when mm. um Jane Paul Wilson and um Caleb Brennan became um members of the House of Keys and were then looking for two new candidates. And my big requirement was really to try and find a new Laurie Hooper because between twenty eleven mm. sorry, twenty sixteen and twenty twenty-one, he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, getting the piece of legislation and just looking at it with new eyes, you know, I spent time going through it and thinking about bits and pieces and he'd come with something go wow, that is what, you know, we should be doing, that's how we should be looking at it. And we've got no one like that at the moment. And mm. In terms of the candidates who are putting themselves forward, I'm not sure if there's anyone with that skill and, you know, to actually scrutinise the government and scrutinise that legislation, you need real ability and real skills and mm. Yeah, Laurie Hooper had that as a backbencher, and yeah, I hope he's doing the same thing in Kerming. But yeah, you speak, there were times when I went in with a level of clarity, and I used to just listen to him and think, Oh, yeah, I can actually see what you're saying, and that isn't as it should be, and that section needs to be changed as you're recommending. And that's really what the legislative council should be doing all the time, but. Mm. I'm sure they are
0: I, I do think Laurie has so, sort of now, Mr Hooper's now been sort of you could argue bought out by Coleman mm. but he's. I, I don't feel personally um, that he's doing a better job at scrutinising he was much better in his position outside of government because he did as you say do a very good job scrutinising now I think he's sort of become one of the men in grey suits. Yeah. As, as you could sort of say. That's, that's my, my... Yeah, and it's, in it's
1: the same with Minister Edge as well because mm. it, it, that, that, they made Question Time so brilliant yeah. in the previous government because we're kind of three mm. of us who were kind of, would go for things and even though we might only get three supplementaries each, mm. that was enough to kind of really make progress and it's part of a learning process and I think the people who went in 2021 are getting better at it mm. and, you know, the question we had yesterday on these 600 calories primary school meals that was good because we, I think six members coming in asking questions and really pushing the minister and yeah, it takes time to actually get the skills and get the confidence and yeah, and I think that's coming through now which is making it more
0: interesting Well it, it lends perfectly into another question which is as, you're obviously a former teacher so you had ex- yeah. experience within the education sector on the island what do you view of the island education now?
1: Um, it's quite an interesting one Um, and in the past few months I've kept going back to where we were in the late 90s because in the late 90s we actually did the league table of the schools in the British Isles all the secondary schools in the Isle of Man were the actual top 30 Mm -hmm. and you know there was a real kind of a desire to push education forward to be progressive, to really kind of be at the forefront of things you're going off doing your exam marking and with doing the international stuff we seem to kind of become slightly more um, traditional and we've perhaps not got the same enthusiasm and things aren't perhaps progressing as they could have done and it's quite an interesting time in terms of um, the way we move forward in terms of the new school just in terms of the challenges, because I still go into school on, Castle Russian, on a regular basis, do things like junior achievements, and it's, it's quite interesting to kind of see that kind of six years on, mm. the environment has changed, the teachers have changed, mm. and, yeah, kind of initially I was still going back into work sort of thing, and now mm. it's kind of, just another place I visit, once a week or whenever, and it's, it's a difficult one, because ultimately the education is the most important thing, mm. that any young person can get and there seems to be a number of children who aren't getting the support, they aren't getting, yeah, access to what they should be getting access to, and whether it be mental health support or um, support within the school, and I think it's, yeah, I don't know if it's down to resources or um, just teachers just so busy doing everything else. It's difficult to get the issue with the, issues linked to the strike which have created tensions and problems and um reduced options and you know, it's it's a difficult environment and teaching is challenging the best of times, but yeah, where you bring all the extra um requirements in, all the extra tensions in, it just becomes yeah, something that can break quite easily and it's quite an interesting one. It's one of those things that when I spoke to um Alf Cannon, after the election, he was kind of looking at the ministers. I said, In terms of education, Dr. Alex was so good because he was a healer. Mm. He was trying to actually look at schools in terms of making them kind of areas that will be supportive and go mm. forward, and solutions would happen there. And I said, Whatever you do, make sure you get someone of a similar background and someone mm. of similar abilities. Because if you have confrontation, if you have conflict between the schools and the ministry, it's just, yeah, just a disaster for all involved.
0: I, I suppose even from my, my experience in schooling, it does seem to have almost, as you said, in the, the late 90s, it was sort of really high in the details. It has seemed to me to very much go almost a downward slope and, throughout my time in schooling. Mm. And I do find it It's a. It's, I think it's a shame on the almost the policy side of what it seems to be there's more bureaucracy within teaching. Huge amounts, and yeah. I think that sort of hampers the teachers because they spend so much time ticking these little boxes to jump through all the little hoops, which don't add anything to the child's education, Yeah, where the teacher would be much better placed as a member of teaching staff doing what they do mm. and teach, really, than, than do all this other stuff.
1: That's it, because it's mm. an amazing place we've actually got a group of young people, and all of those young people have got so much potential... And in terms of actually ensure that every child reaches that full potential, we've got, as you suggest there, so much bureaucracy and so much form-filling and so much other stuff to deal with. It's a matter of teaching a lesson and getting to the end of the day and moving on, and it's quite sad, that. And, yeah, that's why it's perhaps nice looking back and then looking at the present with, yeah, an element of horror.
0: So, so would you say perhaps you would go more, perhaps champion more into the education sector than you do currently. Can you have much of an effect on on, on the policy? I think it's
1: one of those things that just in terms of um, being an a privileged position, you can go and talk to officers, you can meet with a minister, you can ask questions, you can bring motions forward, so you've got those opportunities and I did bring a motion about two years ago about uh, looking for ways in which young people could actually be um, given that support, you know, not the pure academic ones who are going to, to mm. university, but those uh, who are choosing different options and trying to find ways forward, and the department is still looking at that, but it's it's one of those things, it takes so long to get change, and in school, it's a kind of I've got six lessons today and I've got to get this, this, is this, this, this done mm. and that, that's how my life is still kind of based, and it was quite odd, oh, the first year after the last election, I just was running because I knew how fast time went. And so many members were going, oh, it's the end of the first year now. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, we haven't and, done anything and, and, yet. So That's <laughs> it. Yes. And I, I'm yeah. kind of now seeing kind of, we're we coming towards the second year coming to an end. And even though it's kind of a five-year parliament, that last year falls away so quickly because mm. you know people start to kind of electioneer and... Um, it's kind of pulling things together. So we've really got four years and we're actually halfway through, and all we've really got is a plan for the future, which is quite concerning. Yeah.
0: But uh, if I'm cor- correct in education, mm. the, lots of the education changes that can be put through aren't a legislation based, a department departmental based.
1: Yeah, the department mm. has quite a freedom. It was interesting with the um, the new education act, which never progressed. We kind of um, had all kind of this desired was the desire to shift things forward and move it in a certain direction there was that kind of the link was lost between the department and her teachers and teaching staff and it was one of the things that um minister allinson did was kind of pause that Mm. and said let's go back to the basics it was it was quite an interesting um conversation we had in in keys because um Minister Allison was still kind of pushing that initially mm. and I said, you know, this is a time for healing mm. and we need to actually look at the schools and let the head teachers, like the teachers, decide what is best for the students and see that's the way forward. And um, Chris Robertshaw actually stood up and then made a speech and said, You know, the most incredible thing has happened this morning. We've actually seen the divide between the official response of the minister. And what a former teacher was saying in terms of what can be done. Mm. And it was a kind of difference between what should be done and what can be done. And he, he said, you know, we need to take a step back and actually look at kind of the healing process and get things to move forward in a good way. And I think Dr. Alex went to and listened to that and the education bill was then kind of put on hold and there's that kind of movement towards resolving issues in school. And we kind of backing that questionable time of strikes and conflict and yeah hopefully that can be sorted we can move on but
0: is, is that a slight a slight problem within the almost ministerial portfolio because often i think mr allison and mr edge they moved into the portfolio without having much prior yeah. educational area almost it's, it's a speciality and if we look at something like the uk government for example sometimes they put ministers in who were junior ministers in the yeah. and they shuff, shuffle them around but if they're going in and they don't know especially on the island where it's so small they don't know the ins and outs of our education and the problems and the things we can do and what's not working and what is working would you say then it hampers them because they have to spend the first year or two years getting to really know it and by that mm. time it's onto the next connection. But, and but then perhaps some
2: around. adds that it's a, a conflict of interest, it's you know, but interest, like for yes. health and etc. That's it. Right.
1: And it mm. is quite interesting that, um, Minister Reg was a person at Balakameen for yeah. many years. So mm. she has actually got that background and that awareness. And I think that's been useful. And at the same time, even though Dr. Alex isn't in health, mm. he's the treasury minister who can actually look at health in a, more compassionate in a more professional manner mm. than perhaps some treasury ministers would, in terms of he's got that awareness of how health works. So I think it's difficult to actually um, say we need this level of knowledge, but that level of knowledge can be useful and it yeah, can help things move forward. And as you're saying, in terms of that conflict, and possibly you know, you go to direct things according to your preconceived ideas, which. Could be outdated and quite frankly wrong, so it's it's nice to actually bring new eyes in, but at the same time, to have a little bit of experience and knowledge can be good. Well,
0: there, there is there is obviously the other argument that run, runs runs round of bringing new eyes, in. this is so it's a critical argument against the ministers and and also as the civil service. So I sha not want to get you any hot water with yeah. that. Uh, but that these the ministers can then have, obviously our opinions get shaped by the information we receive, but actually it's the civil service that run the country. It's been a long, long-running yeah. since, I suppose, Yesminster came yeah. out uh, yeah. as a wonderful sitcom that it was the ministers give you five options and four of them are bad and the one they want is the good one. They say, here are your five options and you don't think, oh, there's sixth option or seventh option. You think they're the five options. I'll pick the one that's best, even though it's not necessarily the best. Yes.
1: yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, it, it, was <laughs> yeah, it, quite, it was quite interesting that mm. when I was new to one of the departments I was in and the minister said, you know, I'm now happy with that and the CEO stood behind him and said, I'm not quite sure whether you are minister. Let Mr Morehouse just say his line again and so I said the line again and thought, Oh, you were shifting him and and the minister then said, Yes, I'm happy and the chief executive said, I am too, Minister. Let's move on. It was just kind of that same thing. Yeah. But the officers have been in that position for many years. They've got that expertise. they kind of aware of the operations. And to a certain extent, given their responsibility, they need to be ensuring that the minister's got yeah. that level of knowledge. Um, it can be worrying that you've got a democracy where the minister is shifting in such ways. But if you're going to have highly paid civil servants... Who have got expertise in certain areas then they sh- should be listened to so mm. yeah it is scary but there is justification for it
0: oh yes yeah, so I, I suppose i i take a perhaps a slightly more critical view out, outside of the whole the whole system because I, I i see the the government and obviously the civil service and the civil service hires the next set of civil service and it seems to be a reason, perhaps, why it's so, so slow moving, especially in something mm. like education. I have an interest in the yes. in, in, in the education system. A, and I and think I think yes. the problem
1: is that politicians want to get change, yes. and officers want to de-risk it. Yes. And back to kind of the initial meetings I had in the department, it was a case of what do you want to achieve? So we did all the stuff on the big yes. sheets of paper, and then I said, "How long will this take?" And it's like. Well, this is going to take three years, roughly, Mr. Wise, because we've to work through what is actually taking place now, what we've planned to do, and I thought, well, in five years' mm. time, there's an election. Well, I wasn't aware it was going to happen mm. in intervening periods. So, yeah, it is a difficult one, and mm. it, it, it it's, it's why being a minister must be so challenging. Yes, because you go with your kind of you, you've kind of got the free spirit, you've got the ideas, and yeah, you want to bring change. And there's someone there saying to you, "If you do that, this could go wrong." Mm. Now, as a politician, as the lead, you can yes. t- take us down that road, but yeah, can't take this warning on board. And mm. pff,
0: yeah, but it's why I suppose in COVID it was such a shock to see everything—the the, the, the mechanics of government, the cogs seem mm. to move lightning speed compared to their usual. That, that, usual that was speed. that was amazing. I, I, yeah, I think something like that yeah. happening in key areas yeah. where they need to be dealt with. I think, in, at least in the short term, you can experiment with things, do they work? Yeah. It, it, because it, if you're flipping it around yeah. rather than spending five years de-risking it, and it might never be risk-free, yeah. actually the- trying it, okay, it failed, right, well, We'll go back to how it was. And, and, and we'll obviously try, public
2: yeah. opinion was split a lot of the time on yeah, a yeah. lot of the decisions that government made, but government stood by most yeah. of their, de- I think it, know, and, and their and decisions. And it worked because yeah. they made a decision. Yeah. And they
0: didn't say, oh, there's a bit of public backlash from a few vocal people. Well, they we're going to keep our decision, run it out, play it out, and then we take the flak If something goes wrong, we take it. I, I, think, I think that's, that's yeah. what's, what's, what's missing. in you know, what, But yeah. it,
1: it was so good because I was actually in infrastructure and health at that yeah, moment. So I was able to kind of see the um, the issue in terms of health with the oxygen mm. and then go to the meetings, mm-hmm. the infrastructure, and say, how can we do this? And we got the oxygen machines coming in. It was like, wow, things are really happening. Mm. And it's kind of politicians are at the table and suggesting things and things are happening, whereas before it was kind of officers kind mm. of providing the guidance. And that was, yeah, so it's incredibly special. And that, that's one good thing about being in the department at the right time. Yes. That, yeah, it's just it was phenomenal, but it was also scary because you were just given such scary information. The first meeting we had in health, in terms of the number of people on island who would potentially die through COVID, was like, yeah. And I can remember driving home that night thinking, given the population of the island and the number of people who are going to potentially die of this, it's going to be people I know, members of my family, and yeah, that that was. Mm. And at the same time, to kind of keep things within normality. And mm. you couldn't go, oh, this is going to kill us all. And yeah, around the streets, it was... Yeah, to actually have that extra level of information was a privilege. And, you know, it's going to be the interesting thing on the COVID report that they're actually looking at the situation several years on. And they're going to be looking at why those decisions were made. But you can never actually perfectly get an accurate reflection of what happened at that moment because it was all being dumb to respond to something that was just arriving yes. and you know when it was coming down to things like ordering the um, PPE equipment was that kind of warning that we actually had some stuff in the um, lockers for many many years because of the last threat we had and are we just going to buy all this stuff it's going to cost us mm. hundreds of thousands of pounds <laughs> and it's going to be Mm. And the next big disaster for us, and it was a case of no. We've actually got to do this because this is what the people mean now, and this is the best solution. So, yeah, it was yeah, real privilege yeah. to be there at that time.
2: Excellent. Um, well, I think sort of um, looking at sort of going forward as we sort of we've reflected quite a bit on on the sort of past. I suppose what are your your main aims sort of nationally, and then. Um, sort of locally in your constituency, what sort of, you know, you really wanting to sort of drive forward over the next, you know, sort of end of the the political, um, the parliamentary term?
1: I think nationally I would like to get more recognition of the problems that businesses and people are currently facing. I think at the moment Coman have got such clarity in terms of a national plan for the future without actually looking at the intricacies of today and it would be so good just to be able to click my fingers and say let's get this done now i'm not asking these questions just to waste time i'm really? asking these questions to actually get you to think in coming on a thursday about what these situations are and actually potentially change and in terms of the constituency i just want kind of again to open up opportunities and you know when you look at a place like castle town help the commissioners and the traders move forward so it is a place to be. And it was interesting, yes, in terms of the figures we were given from Max National Heritage, how about getting that extension to Castle Russian opening in November time? It made a real difference to visitor numbers and by trying different things and moving things forward, it's, yeah, an exciting place to be and people want mm. to go to those places and enjoy them. So you just kind of move things forward.
0: Do you mentioned the island the plan there. I did probably try to... Make, I did not mention this earlier, I thought of it. Yeah. Do you think it will work?
1: No, and that's that's my greatest concern, that we've actually got something that is so high level and it's operating in a different sphere to what the people and businesses are operating in. And if, if I was in charge and I could say... What should we be doing? We should actually be focusing on ensuring that local businesses can expand, that we can ensure that local people actually have their needs met. So we're actually sending out that positive message so more people want to come naturally to the island, more businesses want to grow on the island, more businesses want to come here rather than kind of having a strategy to bring people in, bring businesses in, which is kind of being done in a false way. I think if we could do it in that organic, natural way, it would work much better. I think if we were part of England, and we're located in the northeast mm. and northwest, it would work perfectly because people can just move into the area without having to, having to look at their bank accounts, mm. having to change their Tesco card. They could um, get a house because there's a range of housing, a range of prices, a range of options. Mm. Um, in terms of the children's schooling, again, there's the range within a small area. And when you come to the Isle of Man, you're making. big decision in terms of your housing, your career, um, whatever. And I I don't think the actual economic strategy recognises that. And to make the leap to come to the island is probably bigger now than it's ever been. And there's no recognition in the plan that that's to happen. So I'd really like to go back to basics and say, what are the local people needing to expand local businesses what are the businesses who want to come to the island needing to kind of come here and focus on that rather than focus on this high-level stuff that
0: may never work. But with the, you say, to grow the the local business and Mm. what the people need, do you have an idea of what those needs are and what what could grow? Yeah, it's
1: quite quite interesting just in terms of how open people are about what the challenges are in terms of operating a business, in terms of um, tax changes some of them quite small some of them quite significant um just in terms of marketing just in terms of things that would have an impact on their business the business around them in the local area and also people are quite specific in terms of their needs and you know in terms of health um and it's good at the moment that things like the waiting lists are being tackled but yeah it's actually looking rather looking up at the stars Mm. and kind of following what might be the good thing actually looking at all the amazing people we have, all the amazing resources we have, and say, let's make the most of those. Because mm. it, it goes back to the hospital just in terms of, in January, there were over 500 people who didn't turn up to their appointments. If we could get half of those to be going... That
2: would the, tackle the, yeah, f- yeah the further
0: that's issue.
1: That's it. The, the performance of the hospital would increase 5%. Oh, well,
0: it's just, uh, on, on, yeah. on that point, it's a very spot-on-spot question. Would you then support a charge for missed appointments mm. for the NHS?
1: Um not in the first instance. I think in the first instance you need to find out why people aren't going. Well,
0: like well, perhaps like a, a three, strike, three strike.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think well, it if, needs they, be something... if they don't have reason
0: yeah. or they don't contact, they just they just Yeah, I think it needs to be school. something that's considered.
1: But if you've got five hundred over five hundred mm. people who aren't attending, there must be a small number of repeated reasons. Yeah. And if those reasons can't be tackled, then you need to kind of look at charging. Mm. But in the first instance, we need to find out why people aren't turning up. yeah, And if it's something like transport or, um. The cost of transport or parking or whatever it is, if it's something that's solvable, let's get that solved and get people into the hospital and get them sorted out. But oh,
0: well, that's, that's it's another, it's another problem. I see with yeah. bureaucracy to even manage something like that. It would, it would be that the people would have to tick the right boxes and all that, rather than perhaps the old days where you, the receptionists would be, oh, why can't you? Oh, couldn't get transport and it's all sort of. But, out but the, the
1: issue is that. Each consultant who's waiting to see someone oh, yes. has then got a gap. Hmm. So it might not be within his remit to send an email out to make a phone call, oh, yes. but he's yes. going to have a personal assistant who he can say, um, I'm supposed to be seeing this gentleman or this lady now for the next hour. Could you just give them a call, please, to find out what the issue yes. was? Because yes. presumably that person, if they're still on Ireland and still require so that treatment, so. yes. they're still yeah. going to fit back into this at some future points. So yeah. let's find out what the reason is today. So, And it, it seemed quite frustrating that the minister was say, we haven't got the resources to actually find the solution to this problem. It's like, of course we have. Those mm. people, you know, it's like going back to me in the classroom. If the class didn't turn up, you can't be finding out when not turned up, you know, have there been? had was the timetable wrong? Was um, there an issue in terms of the year group? There's some specific reason that's caused that, and it's the same with the hospital. It's not just people just mm. can't be bothered going today. Mm. Well, it'd be a small number, but not over 500 of them.
2: Mm. I have an interesting question. Um, in a lot of people's manifestos, in in the for the twenty twenty one election, and oh, pretty much all candidates were going on about housing. Mm. And um, I, I was looking recently, and I'm not sure it was, it was on the island plan. And it was sort of the the sort of agenda, mm. and it was saying how the sort of the big pieces of legislation on housing aren't going to be for sort of several years away. Yeah. And everyone was going on about housing. I, I may be wrong, but there's only a couple of officers actually on the, the, the working for the boards, the yeah. housing communities boards. Is that not, you know, for me and um, and sort of people that want to stay here, that want to potentially have a house here and mm-hmm. the current sort of um, climate with the, the, the pricings, um, how is this not being pushed um sort of more why what you know what do you know the reasoning behind I think, why there's not I think much there's
1: more a movement towards doing something and i think um chris thomas has been rather wise by becoming the infrastructure minister because mm. he went from being kind of the individual with a couple of officers in the background to supporting to the actual minister of department with far more resources But it's back to the point of being a backbench that probably two of the biggest things that have happened in housing Mm. was the first-time buyer stuff, which was really the consequences of a motion I brought in January 2021, just in terms of the structure we've got now, the support we've got now is not right. Can the department go off and look at this and respond to Tim Wald with some action? And they went off and came back with that. And it was really quite enlightening that, Chris Thomas, it was Chris Thomas then, his kind of initial thing was kind of linking back to what Mr. Morehouse had brought. But I did bring um, a similar motion a couple of months ago about um, the cost of public sector housing on the other of Man. We've got a complete l- removal of reality from the way the rents are actually charged. Because in 2019, if you'd have been a couple without children, mm-hmm you could have both earned the minimum wage working full-time and earned an extra £2,500. Now, if you are a couple with no children, from the 1st of April, you'll earn £10,000 too much to qualify for public sector housing. No,
0: that, that, that's... It's that's, uh, no, is, is positively ins- insanity. It
1: is. Because, and it's simply because the minimum wage has gone up and the thresholds haven't changed since 2019. Mm. So I brought the mo- motion saying I know that you actually look at this, but before May, you must come back to Tynwald with new thresholds. Mm. And they're talking about shifting them up by 15, 20%. It's not enough, but it's the first movement yeah. in nearly five years, which is box ticked if we can then get another one next year, the year after. But mm. that's one good thing about being a backbench. You can bring a motion if you work with the minister yes. and the department you can actually get things done in a faster way mm. than the department, because the department tends to just keep looking over it and thinking about it and waiting for the opportune moment. Whereas if you as bench, backbencher say, you must bring this back to Tynwald by May... Mm, they did not have, have to, yeah. That's it's, it. So, yeah, it's a good mm. thing. But the housing mock is a real concern. Mm. But it's, and, it's, yeah.
0: it's, it's a large problem, I think. As Olive and I were sitting in the Dean Max Radio mm. budget programme afterwards, and we, we looked at the budget. and. Yeah. Even if you look at minimum wage and all yeah. of that, the thresholds where you start paying income tax haven't increased. Yeah. But they'll increase the benefit system where people yeah. surely should keep more of the money they earn rather than having to go government and then dri- dribble back to them. Yeah, yeah. If you increase the lower the threshold which people start to pay, yeah. you're really not. It's not helping the richest in society. It's helping those with less in society, and gives them more of their own money yeah. to keep. And they, they, they increase benefits, they won't yeah. increase the threshold at all, even given inflation. That, 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 that's, per,
1: that's perfect. The only mm. problem is yes. that when the low thresholds go up, everyone benefits to the same degree. But mm. so, then they're cutting it back at the top yeah, end that's anyway it. now. Yeah, Um So, so there's yeah. ways to balance. And again, that's an interesting one, just in terms of we're the place that we're encouraging entrepreneurs to come to, mm. the high-paid, innovative individuals and uh, we started to cut at the top, Are you thinking, will that make a difference well, it, it's, yeah.
0: it's almost some people were raising what's going to happen next? Should we then also they weren't saying what's should we then also like sarcastically they were saying, should we then also remove look at the tax limits where you pay I think it's hundred sixty mm. for a, for a single yeah. individual and I think it's the we didn't need in the budget even I think to increase that top amount and cut back on the the uh, personal allowance if we spent our money. Like it was a household. We don't spend. We spend within our means. Yeah. And I think I I, I think you mentioned something on the concern about the structural deficit.
1: Yeah, it, a it it is a concern that we, we do view ourselves as a government and we spend as a government and we're a bureaucracy as a government. But at the same time, we're a small island mm. state, and we should be kind of looking at how every penny is used and when we are cutting through the reserves at the level we're going through them. It it is a massive concern because it takes so long to actually rebuild them and at the moment the stock market's close to its peak and oh, you're yeah. thinking, you know, what's going to happen in the next mm-hmm. twelve months, the next two years, the next three years. It's unlikely to keep going forward. It might do, but there are no guarantees and if yeah. we are using the reserves and actually also they're going down because of market conditions, it could be a really tricky five years, mm-hmm. which yeah.
0: I suppose p- perhaps they take the belief like the 19- nineteen 20 stockbrokers on Wall Street, it only just goes up. <laughs> uh, perhaps, perhaps that's it. Perhaps, yes. yes. So I think that covers most mm. of Perfect. our questions. Thank you very, very much. No worries so at coming all. On. Yes, it's fabulous to have you. Thank you very much. Yes. It's been very
2: enjoyable, very
1: interesting. Politics is interesting. I think the problem is that most people don't recognize how it affects their life mm. and it's their daily life and everything they do. Because people will still say when you knock on the door, oh, Politics is nothing to me, do it. it doesn't involve me, but yeah, everything from their wage to um, their health care to the children's education is going to be influenced by some politician.
0: That was Jason Morehouse speaking to us, MHK for Arbury, Castle and Malou.
2: Thank you very much for joining this week's episode of Politibabble. Uh, if you want to come onto our show or you have any sort of comments, please do email us uh, at politibabble at gmail.com You've been
0: Peluzbabble